Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Camp is going to be fun. And I will say this. Uh, we live in a time and culture where people are concerned about their kids. But sometimes I hear those concerns and I go, how concerned are you really? Because what are you doing to prepare your kids for such a time as this? Right? That's the thought that goes through my mind sometimes. What are you doing to prepare your grandkids for such a time as this? It's really easy to squawk at the box. Right? To throw things at the TV. When you get frustrated, when you hear about things that are going on in your country, things that are going on in your city or in the schools or whatever, but, but you got to remember, guess who's responsible for raising those young people up? We are. Not just the parents, not just the grandparents, but all of us as the body of Christ, we're here to influence the next generation. So if you want your faith to live on for the next generation, come on, step up to the plate, you know? Come be a kid's camp counselor or send somebody to camp or get your kids to camp. Whatever the case may be, I'm telling you, guys, we have to be proactive, not reactive. Instead of trying to shut down the darkness, start spreading the light. Amen? So there, that's all I have to say about that. But I love you guys. I, I, I'm serious about this. It, it sometimes... We hear announcements and we just let them go in one ear and out the other. And we forget this is an invitation to an opportunity that will shape your child just like it shaped my kids. It'll shape them and you'll see a fruit. Sometimes fruit takes a while to grow. But it always started with somebody planting a seed. Amen? So we've been talking about uh, a beautiful resistance and uh, on the first week, we talked about how we need to run towards the light instead of running from the darkness. Instead of f focusing on what we're against, we start moving towards what we see Christ displaying as he walked the earth. And so we become Christ-like and we move that direction. When we stay focused on the darkness, we begin to replicate it. It begins to ship, uh, shape our spirit. And even though we need to be against certain things and we got to be, we got to shut down certain things from happening, we got to flee certain temptations, all, I get all that. But if that's where your focus stays, then pretty soon you're not building the life that you want, right? You can be sober for 25 years and not be building the life that God has for you because you're so focused on shutting down the alcohol. You see what I'm saying? We want to shut it down. But we don't want to not build the life. Got it? So then Taylor shows up with a message on idolatry. In order to not have idolatry take place in your life, you can't focus on it. You got to focus in on worship. So every time we sing a song in here, we, we are literally programming our hearts and our minds to recenter ourselves on Christ. Weekly, daily, hourly, in some cases, we are pumping in worship music and singing songs and reading things that are worshipful in our lives. And by doing that, we're actually resisting idolatry. Okay? So by pursuing the light, we resist. And so the other thing that's beautiful 
that we can do is we can focus on hunger, a hunger for God, a hunger for Jesus, a hunger for his word, a hunger to do good and heal all. When we focus our hearts on anger, I mean hunger, not anger, uh, we automatically resist apathy. That was last week. And today, I want to talk to you about how hospitality resists fear. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of God that is in this room and for the ears that are open to hear what you are saying to the church, like to all of us, Lord, not just to me, not to just the individuals, but to us as a group. But also, Lord, let us hear with ears to hear for our own lives and our own actions and our own lifestyle, our own behavior. And pray, God, that um, you would show us some things that you want us to see specifically as a body and as individuals. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Fear is interesting. We have this basement uh, at our house. We have a rambler, but we have a little furnace room downstairs, and we have these wood steps that go down there, and they kind of creak as you go down them. And, uh, and so we had to put a little lock on the door because we have grandkids, and we don't want them opening that door and going down there and falling down to the bottom of the steps because it's a long ways down, and you have to go pick them up. Um, so we put a lock on the door. <laughs> Just kidding. It's like, no, put a lock on the door so that they don't go down there, right? So one day I, t- I say to Hayden, who's now six, but at the time she was four, I said, Hayden, you want to go downstairs and paint? Because that's we keep all of our junk down there, stuff that we don't use except for once a year at Christmas, things like that. We put all the archives down there. There's, it, it's just kind of janky downstairs, right? It, yeah, it gets thrown down the steps and rolls to the bottom, and then when I go down there, I put it away. So... I say, this is also where I do a painting. I like to paint with acrylics and stuff like that. So I have all my paint down there. I have canvases and stuff like that. So I, Hayden wanted to paint. And so I said, let's go downstairs and paint. She, she got kind of excited. Then I opened the door. She looks down the, do- the thing. Papa, is it scary down there? I said, no, it's not scary at all. She says, okay, and she grabs my hand, and we walk down to the bottom, and she just kind of looks around, all around the place. I could see she did not want to be there at all. But she was with me, so she felt a little bit more confident, and we went ahead and painted. And we got her painting done, and it turned out really awesome. And, and when we were all done, I was cleaning up stuff. She goes, Papa, I don't want to be in here anymore. She's starting to get nervous. And so she ran upstairs, like fast, up the steps, right? Because it was scary to her. It was different. It was different than the rest of our house. If you know my wife, you know the basement is not like the rest of the house, right? Neither is the garage, for that matter. Stark difference between darkness and light. Um, But anyway, so there was this, this fear, in a sense, and so the next time she was over, I said, do you want to go back downstairs? No. Well, we can do some painting. No, I don't want to go down there, Papa. I don't like it down there. She doesn't like it. It was scary. You know, when you get scared of things, you avoid it, things. When you get scared of certain environments, you avoid them. And sometimes that's a really good idea. But other times... 
Scary things keep you away from people. They keep you from people that you know nothing about. But when you see them, you assume that it's scary. And uh, it's interesting because a lot of people would say that Jesus was very hospitable. He was very, he was very inclusive. He went and talked to a lot of different kinds of people. It was part of his message, but actually it was his whole message. Today we are celebrating the day of Pentecost, a very special day where people came from all over the country, from, from different tribes and different languages and different cultures and different ages, and they all came to Jerusalem. And that was the day that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages. <clears throat> and when they came together, they were in one accord, but they went out into an area where there wasn't any one accordness as far as culture. There was a variety of different cultures. There's a variety of different people. And so they came out and they began to speak the message of Jesus, the gospel message that God loves you and everybody's welcome into his kingdom. You don't have to just speak this one language in order to be connected to God. Every tongue, every person, everybody is welcome into God's kingdom. Come on, come all of you. Those of you that are, are, have a diverse language or a diverse ethnicity or have come from a tribe, including tribes that we've warred against, are all welcome into the kingdom. This was a big day. Before then, if you wanted to hear the good news about God, the, the father of Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then you had to speak a certain language. But now all of a sudden, the good news is coming in everybody's language to every culture, every tribe. Cool. Love it. Coming to a day where we need to recognize this because fear is being spread by media and by culture so that we become afraid of people who are different than ourselves. But Jesus, his message put into the hearts of people is meant to go out and speak the different language, learn other languages so why we can communicate and move past cultural barriers, tribal restrictions, and begin to communicate the love of Jesus. You don't have to become a different person. You don't have to speak a new language in the sense of every day, but you gotta learn some things about the culture of the time and the days that we're living in. And you have to cross past those barriers and you have to go down the steps sometimes where you are normally afraid. And so today I wanna talk to you about how fear controls people but hospitality resists that fear. Fear keeps us in our own silos. Fear keeps us in our own little space, our own little group, our own little zip code. Ronnie Doss, a friend of mine, said this, God is the God of zip codes. Every zip code, there's a different God, it seems like. Because everybody's perspective of God, depending on what zip code or country or city you live in, there's a, there's a slant or a perspective that comes to it because we are shaped by our environments. We're shaped by our culture. We are shaped by the people we're around, the families we were raised in. And so in every zip code, there seems to be like a different version of the pursuit of God. And so what God wants to do is take you out of your zip code. He wants to take you out of your zip code. He wants you to be able to be uncomfortable for a little bit so you can go down and Paint what God has for you to paint. 
Um, sometimes we're afraid of how strangers live, people that are different than us. And sometimes we're afraid of how they think. We're afraid of what they believe. We're afraid of how they act, the company they keep, the pastimes they have, the recreation they pursue. The Webster's Dictionary from 1812, I got this 1812 Webster's Dictionary. It's so cool. And um, the reason I like it is because it was written before Webster's, uh, the company of Webster Dictionary started filtering out everything. And before all the definitions had scriptures next to them. Pretty interesting, huh? So from the 1800s, they would refer back to scripture. And uh, the word hospitality is, the, is defined in the Webster's 1812 Dictionary as the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind, or with kind and generous liberality. Okay, hospitality, the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind, generous liberality. I love it. In the Greek, hospitality is, is translated as this. It means to entertain strangers, and it's made up of two different words that mean loving and stranger. Loving the stranger. Now, there's a lot of strange people in this room right now. I'm one of them. But we're really not strangers to that much because we all go to the same church. We're all pursuing the same God. And, but our lives intersect with strangers all the time. Uh, people that are different than us. People that live in ways and do things and... Uh, have beliefs that are way different than us. And the whole idea is that we come together in this place. We're kind of a unified group. We sang all the same songs together. We're hearing the same preaching together. We're sitting by people that we sat by before, most likely, in this place. And there's an energy when you come together in one accord. It's, it's a cool thing. It's an it's a, it's a exciting thing. But it's like that upper room experience. They came together. They're in one accord. They're praying together. They're seeking God. They were wanting direction from Jesus as to what the next steps were, building the church and all the things that were going to happen next. They were excited. They were praying together. and They were unified. And they had this common experience. But they, that common experience prepared them for stepping outside the doors of the upper room and begin to communicate to the other cultures, the other people, the others. And, and so this intent to go beyond your zip code or to go beyond your comfort zone or go beyond your space, go beyond your tribe, is something that Jesus has been trying to get through to the church for a long, long time. You know, the, uh, the interesting thing is the word hospital comes from the, the word hospitality. And it means to be a friend to the sick. To be a friend to the sick. And so when hospitals were formed, there was no place for sick people to go. And so the Christians would reach out to the sick. 
in some cases, catch their sickness or their virus or their disease because they were befriending sick. And eventually, they brought them in. Then they formed what is called the hospital. And so it all started out of a desire to show hospitality. If you would, could you turn your Bibles to Romans, to the book of Romans, to the 12th chapter. If you read the 12th chapter, starting with verse 9 and go through it, you'll find how to have a really good spirit and how a church can have a great spirit. And one of the the scriptures there, verse 13, it says that when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Pretty simple thought. Somebody has a need, somebody needs a washing machine fixed, or, you know, somebody needs their gutters cleaned out and they can't get up there. Um, You help them out. They have a need. Help them out. You got the resource, you got the time, you got the strength, you got the skill. Help them out. But then it goes on to say, be ready to help them, but always and always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, it's interesting there because it says, help God's people who are in need and then be open to hospitality. Hospitality in this culture meant you were opening your home or your life to a stranger. So these are instructions, one for the house of God, two for the stranger. You see what I mean? So when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And also, see, that is kind of exclusive in a sense. We're helping each other. We're helping God's people. We're, you know, we're blessing each other, right? But hey, don't forget the stranger, the one that's not like you, the one that's not in the church, the one that isn't in your culture, in your tribe, isn't in your flow, doesn't have your morals, doesn't have your heart for the community, doesn't have your beliefs and understanding about Jesus, okay? So then um, this thought came to my mind when I thought about this, that Jesus always had the stranger in mind. Remember in Matthew 25 where it says that the nations will come at the end and there'll be the final judgment and the way they separated sheep from goats In other words, the followers of God versus those that rebelled against God is that when people were hungry, they fed them. When people were thirsty, they gave them something to drink. And when they were a stranger, they were invited in. This isn't just your home that we're talking about here. Hospitality is inviting people into your world, inviting people into who you are, into your humanity, into your life, and allowing yourself to go down the wooden stairs to the uncomfortable place so that you can find out that it's not so scary down there after all. In fact, something beautiful could come out of it. Hayden still has that picture on her wall that she painted two years ago because she stepped out of her comfort zone. It didn't mean the fear just went away. It just went away for a while. And eventually it'll go away completely the more times she goes down those steps. Same thing with you. We, uh, a number of years ago, I got introduced to a man who became my mentor. His name was Lou Tice. And he ran a company called the Pacific Institute. 
and he would throw these amazing parties. And not only was the party um, full of entertainment and good food uh, and cool environments and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you just walked around his home. He walked around his yard. It, was, it just was a stimulating experience. And one of the things that stuck out in my mind wasn't the money that was spent on the food or the entertainment. What it was was the way that he postured himself when you walked into the house. He would just open his arms up and go, I'm so glad you're here. Come here. And you give him a big old hug. Man, that made an impact on me. I just remember the guest list always included people he worked with, people he knew from the past. He had people that he coached in high school. He was 75 years old at the time that I was going to these gatherings. He had friends way back from high school. He had a neighbor that lost his wife. I, I talked to him. I saw him in the kitchen just sitting down all by himself. I, I said, huh, how do you know Lou? And he goes, oh, I'm his neighbor. He invites me to everything he does because he knows that I lost my wife and he wants me to be around people. One time we were there and uh, there was a homeless guy that used to hang out next to the office where he was at. He got invited to the party. You looked around and there's people that had very broken English because they were new to the country. You looked around and you saw people that were rich and people that were poor, black, white, Asian, all kinds of everything that you can think of in the room. Probably the most diverse in every way, age and background and all that kind of thing. And that always struck me because he was very intentional to make sure that he included all kinds of people. And I asked him one day, I go, Lou, what, where does this come from? He says, you know, I went to a Crisillo, that's a Catholic retreat. He says, I spent three days in total silence. And God spoke to me, he told me, I'm calling you to create a Christ-like atmosphere everywhere you go. And so the Lord spoke to him and told him that that's what he was supposed to do. When you have a Christ-like atmosphere, you're hospitable to the stranger. And you're intentional about by crossing those lines and walking down those stairs. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. If you would, turn to there, Hebrews 13. This is a, one of my favorite verses. I love this. I think this will help you with the spirit of hospitality. Starting with verse 2, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Don't remember people in prison for what they've done. Remember people in prison as if you were there. What would you want while you were in prison? A visitor. Simple. Hospitality, right? Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. This is hospitality. And guys, I think that this could be a real adventure for us. I think that if we would just decide that we want to follow this plan that Jesus had for us, 
is to be people of hospitality, people that go beyond ourselves, people that open up our world and allow people in and for us to venture into theirs. Not to adopt their culture, not to adopt their behaviors, but to find out what makes them tick and what makes them human. You know, a lot of times uh, we stay away from people because we judge them. And we think, I was with a guy this weekend and he told, we were talking about judgment and he says this, he said, Steve, you know, I, I have found, because he was a chiropractor and, and he said to me, he says, I have found that every time somebody comes into my office that's different than me, I have a thought of what I think they're like or what they do and how they live. He says, almost 100% I'm wrong. Every time. Because as I get to know them and I hear their story, I find out this is not who I thought they were when they walked into the door with the first impression thought. I missed them. I misread it the whole time. So he says, I just learned to be curious. Let's go to Ephesians. I love this. Ephesians chapter 2, and this is something for all of us to remember. Remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at the time that you were separated, at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Now, Paul is describing this. This is the apostle Paul writing this. He goes, hey, you guys, you Gentiles, you were once considered Gentiles. Most of you here, unless you come from Jewish descent, you're Gentiles. You're people that were non Jewish, okay? Jewish people were marked with circumcision, and that's how you knew that they were Jew. I don't know how they showed their ID, but that's, you know, another story. But the, the whole idea was that there was a separation, and there was identifiers, there were signals, there was indicators that who they were was different than you. And so you didn't feel welcomed. You didn't feel in. You weren't included. And so you didn't get to hear some of the good things that they had discovered about God. And so Paul is reminding us, that, hey, remember, you once were the guy that was the outsider. You were once the person that was barred. You were, you were canceled out. You were no longer welcome, ever. So he goes on to say this. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we're supposed to remember this. We have this ability to be reconnected. We have this ability to be, I should say, connected to God. And we have to, but we have to remember that feeling of being disconnected, not being a part of the family. And so you got to remember that sometimes people feel disconnected from the culture in which you run with, from the God in which you serve. They don't feel wanted. They don't feel valued. They might feel judged because of their 
sexual preference or because of the color of their skin or because of their age or because of their history. They may feel separated because they don't have the same marks as you. And so it's our job to show hospitality to them. So I'm gonna give you some thoughts about hospitality real quick. I'm gonna just run through these because I think they'll, they'll really help you and, um, and it'll give us something uh, to think about, okay? So hospitality, this is what hospitality is. It is people finding their way to welcome the stranger or the other, okay? I think we've covered that. It's people finding a way to welcome the stranger or the other. It is a call of the church. The church doesn't exist to be hidden from the world, but to heal it and to bring light to it. Not a call, Pastor Taylor said this, not a call to ease, but a call to lift the weight. Okay, that's hospitality. When you meet someone in someone's home, it says that I see you as an equal. When you have somebody over for a meal, you have somebody over for coffee, you have somebody into your house or you go to their house, when Jesus did this, he went to the tax collector. He went to Mary and Martha's. He went to the different places in the people's homes. And it's a great equalizer. Seeing past the difference is seeing past the differences into the human heart. When you look past the differences, hospitality does that. and says, there are differences here. There are some violations of my moral code going on in this person's life, but I see past that and I see their humanity. Hospitality is something that opens up the door to everybody. Can you imagine a hospital that chose who they're going to serve based on how much money they had? Can you imagine a hospital giving somebody different treatment for certain kinds of people? Can you imagine that? Some of you are seeing that happen right now. And you go, that's not right. Well, the church has been doing that for years. <laughs> it's true. We've done this for years. I'm not, just, I'm not talking about this church specifically, but this is included. The church, the global church, has been picking and choosing who they're going to love and who they're going to serve. As long as you haven't gone too far out there, we'll welcome you in. As long as you change within three weeks, as long as you go through our membership class and you know about our code, then we'll let you in. Especially if you submit, then we'll let you in. If you tithe, you can come anyway. Right? It's true. I mean, we laugh about it, but it's so true, right? All right, so we, we don't want to be like that. So we want to be welcome. Let me give you some thoughts. Here's how you can adopt the spirit of hospitality. First of all, be curious. Be curious in the other. Ask good questions. Be ready to learn, okay? Have a curious spirit. Like when you see something different, you just start thinking, I wonder what kind of food they eat. And then go get to know the person so you can find out. Maybe you'll get invited over for dinner and get some really good grub. But be curious to resist fear. When you feel fear and you see somebody that's different than you or 
comes from a different tribe, speaks a different language, has a different culture, different age. Don't be intimidated. Make yourself go down the steps. Go down to the bottom of the steps and then introduce yourself to them. Resist fear. Number three, look for your teacher. When you go into a room, you can learn something from everybody. Some of the greatest teachers don't have a job. Some of the greatest teachers are alcoholics. Some of the greatest teachers are people from another culture. Some of the greatest teachers are sitting next to you in church. Some of the greatest teachers don't smell so good. Some of the greatest teachers are here sent by God. They're angels. Number four, set up an equalizing experience. Invite somebody over for coffee. Invite them over for dinner. Invite them to your party. Make your party a little bigger and invite some random people that nobody would expect to be there. Wouldn't that be cool if we started doing that? Number five, ask questions. Number six, imagine angels. So one of the things that I started doing when I first became a Christian, it started with a guy named Ben. He used to come, when I was a youth pastor, he used to come to my youth meetings and wanted to be a youth worker really bad. He was about 30 years old. And you could tell he, he had some special needs and he wore an oversized suit and a tie that had stains all over it. His hair was always messy. And when you got close to him, you could smell body odor like nothing you've ever smelled. One time, I had just heard that message about Matthew 25 and spoken by a guest speaker that came to our church. And I really had a conviction and um, I saw him coming, and I wanted to avoid him because he always took so much time. And, and so a little prompting on the inside. I just went up to him, and I engaged in conversation, and this time it was the worst I've ever smelled. You could smell urine on him. It was horrific. And he says, Pastor Steve, can I have a hug? I said, you sure can, man. And I just brought him in and I held him. And I wouldn't let go. And I heard Jesus speak to me. And I knew it was Jesus. I knew it was Jesus. It wasn't, his, it wasn't the guy's voice. It was Jesus. He said, thanks, man. I've been looking for a good hug. And I knew I'd always wanted to see Jesus. I just didn't expect him in a guy like this always remember you might be entertaining an angel you might be entertaining Jesus himself when you step out of your comfort zone and go down the steps you don't know it could be a test to see I was hungry you gave me something to eat I was thirsty gave me something to drink. I was naked. You gave me some clothes. I was in prison. You visited me. I was lonely and you sat with me. 
I wasn't included and you included me. I'd never had a birthday party and you gave me one. What if we opened up the door to the spirit of hospitality? What could our church look like? What if every time you came to church, you weren't satisfied until you introduced yourself to somebody? What would happen if, if all of us looked around the room and saw the person that's most different than us in age or color or background or whatever? What if bricklayers talked to successful stockbrokers and successful stockbrokers talked to people that were homeless and homeless people were included in on our worship service? What would happen then? What would happen? Could I ask a favor? Especially if you attend this church, could you make the commitment in the next week or two to create some kind of equalizing experience that would allow you to get to know somebody beyond the surface, but see their humanity? Could I ask that of you? Would that be too much? If I, if I could just take you down my steps to see that it's really not that scary. It's messy, but it doesn't have to be scary. Hospitality resists fear. And while the media is trying to get you to be afraid of everybody, you can resist it by inviting everybody. Let's pray. God, thank you for your spirit that is in this room here today. May we catch this spirit of hospitality. Help us look within instead of going, yeah, they really need to hear this message. Help us see it for ourselves and apply it. And Lord, may that even happen before we leave this room today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'd like to invite you, those of you that are at home and those of you that are here right now, I'd just like to invite you to think about this. It all starts by inviting Jesus to be center of your being. Because once Jesus is the center of your being, he will give you the strength and the courage to bust through the fear, out of the comfort zone, to go do the work that he's called you to do. Being a, uh, a Christian is overrated. Being a Christ follower is fulfilling. Amen? So it starts by receiving Jesus. Our prayer partners are gonna be up here when we dismiss. If you've never prayed to receive Jesus, we got a little book we can give you, we can pray for you. If you have other needs, maybe uh, you got some anxiety issues, maybe you got some issues with a sickness or disease and you need some prayer, just come on up. These guys wanna pray for, pray for you and they're eager. They're eager to pray, including Don. You know all Don over here? Don, I, I'm gonna say this because we need to point her out here. So those of you that are online, Don talks to you on her phone. And so I'm just saying, you guys out here, don't be judging on her because she's communicating to our online audience. And so she's on her phone. She's like worshiping, texting and talking to people on the line, all that kind of stuff. So I just want you to know, she's not addicted to a screen. She's addicted to prayer and she wants to pray for you. And so do all of these guys up here, amen. God bless you. Have a good Sunday. We'll see you next week.